Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. There are nearly 20 million military vets in the U.S. And each week, we focus on their stories. This is CBS Eye on Veterans. Welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm Navy vet Phil Briggs reporting for ConnectingVets.com. And it's summertime. It's hot out. And I'll be honest, all I'm thinking about is mountains, lakes, and beers on a beach somewhere, which is why I'm really happy to be talking to today's guest, a Navy veteran, Michael Embrick, is a writer, a traveler, a military researcher, and he's got a book out called March On, A Veteran's Travel Guide. And if you want to get out on the road this summer, you want to go see some things. I'm telling you, you have to have a copy of this book and reading it just makes me want to get up out of this chair and go somewhere. So, uh, well, let's first say hi to uh, my fellow shipmate, Michael Embrick. How are you, sir? Good morning, Phil. Thank you so much for having me on. As we're going to dive into with this book, we're going to hear about travel through the veteran's eyes, and we're going to hear about a unique way to get around and go see some places with some uniquely veteran destinations. And it's not because of the discounts or the deals, but because like they represent things that I think a veteran would find interesting, but would be great to take the family to and just just great to go see. And um, we're going to get into some great beers that you found around the country too, which is all part of vacationing. But first, tell me about your background, man. Tell me about where you were in the U.S. Navy. So I was uh, stationed on board the USS Theodore Roosevelt from 2000 to 2004. I served during Operation Iraqi Freedom and Operation Enduring Freedom. So I joined the military pretty close right before 9-11. So um, kind of was thrust right into, into deployments shortly after I joined. So I joined right out of high school. Right out of high school, I went back to college on the GI Bill after I got out, which is legislation I had the honor to work on. Um, so that was pretty cool getting to to use a bill that I worked on to to get my undergraduate degree. 
since then, I've been doing a lot of veteran advocacy. I've uh, I've been the state commander of a, a large veteran veteran service organization. Um, I've worked for the VA. I've you know worked in the federal government. I worked on local and state government in the New Jersey Assembly, and also in Washington D.C. on legislation for uh, for national legislation for veterans. So that mm. that's what I've been doing since military service. Nice. Well, continuing to serve as so many veterans do, that's, uh, you know, not even news to me because we hear that every, every week a veteran gets out and is still doing awesome things. Um, you're a carrier guy like I was, what was your rate or what was your, uh, like what division did you work on? So I joined as an undesignated airman. Uh, I was really into the whole aircraft thing, uh, when I joined, uh, but like, uh, a lot of people who join the military undesignated, you kind of get sent where, you know, they need you. Um, and security was coming, becoming an emergent kind of need for the Navy after 9-11. So I did did work a lot with the GMs uh, on the 50 caliber machine guns, uh, stuff like that. Side boys, you know, saluting generals and top civilians who come on the boat. Um, so kind of an all, all-purpose kind of uh, guy who, you know, moved around and did a lot of different things. But, you know, if I could go back, I wouldn't change it. I learned so much, met so many great people. Had so many uh, great, good and bad experiences, but uh, certainly made me a better person. I was in on the John C. Stennis CVN 74, which was just, I I think, just a couple ahead of you. Like, what was your, like, you were number 70? 71. Yeah. Okay. So you were 71. I was 74. So I was just like two, three generations ahead of you. Yeah. It was awesome. All the same. I loved sitting on the sponsons, watching the waves, watching. uh, I loved laying on the fantail. Did you guys do that? Did you lay on the fantail of the ship and watch the jets fly (laughs) over? We we did actually go to, go take a big picture for Vanity Fair on the on the the bow of the boat, so uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah, we were down like one level from the flight deck on the fantail, or we were down at the basically the end of the hangar bay as it yeah. walked out to the back of the ship, and that was just such a cool spot to watch those jets roar right over your head, and it was it it was awesome. And you were watching them leave full and come back empty, man. You were watching them yeah. putting warheads on foreheads, man. So that's awesome, dude. Good stuff. Not only do you get out and you work in policy and you work in government and uh, you do some things like that, but um, you get a traveling Jones in you and you put together this book, man. And I love the fact that you're like a history buff and you're a traveler. And as I look through the table of contents, um, you can see how you basically kind of just carved out the country from Northeast to the South, the Great Lakes and Plains, the Southwest and Rockies, West Coast. Uh, you even include Europe uh, in this travel guide. And while I'd love to go through each and every one, because I know there's so many gems in here. Um, well, let's just start off with um, why you wrote the book from a veteran's angle, instead of just writing a pure travel guide. So I, I think what really drove me to write the book was the, a, a staggering number that's out there. And you hear it a lot, I'm sure everybody in the veterans community hears it a lot, but that an estimated 22 veterans take their own lives every day. Um, as a policymaker, um, as a policy person, and as a veteran alone, I think it's just a number that it obviously shouldn't be that high, but I think it's going to take some thinking outside the box to kind of reach veterans, find out why they're unhappy, uh, why, what kind of issues they have with PTSD or employment or family. Um, it seems we always find that these issues are kind of all related um, and how you can kind of break that cycle of getting out of the military, getting into a bad place, turning to drugs or alcohol, that affecting your personal life, whether it's your employment or your family life, and then that leading to this kind of vicious cycle 
of, of depression and drug abuse. The, the old ways, they're just not working anymore. They don't seem to be as effective as they used to be. Um, so I, th- I think with a book like this, my main goal was really kind of just the simplest part of the book is just sometimes getting out of your basement, walking outside, feeling the sun on your face is the first step to breaking that cycle. Um, and and I, I figured if I could put a lot of places and show a lot of examples of other veterans doing just that, that it, it could kind of serve as not only a guide, but a roadmap on how to, to lead a, a happier and more productive life uh, for veterans who are struggling. Um, and I know so many. And you're right. I mean, what's the VA do? What do so many doctors do? Uh, you know, they prescribe pills. They, you know, here, take this to sleep, take this for anxiety, take this for stress. No, there's something about sunshine and God's green earth, just getting out and going to a place you've never been before and having a cup of coffee or a beer uh, somewhere with people you've never met. Um, And if you can have a guide like this, uh, you can also sort of have a roadmap to kind of get you into places and spaces where you'll feel safe. So I'm so glad you decided to put all these things together. Um, Tell me a little bit about your favorite veteran story that's in the book. So uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of good ones, but there's two that stand out to me. Um, one is about, and I don't want to give away too much. My publisher will be angry with me, but one is about <laughs> a group of Muslim Americans uh, who fought off the British landing during the war of 1812. And the important thing about this is they were enslaved uh, Muslim Americans. Um, and uh, they took up arms with their, with the plantation owner there. It's crazy to talk about now, but that's the way it was. And uh, they, they fought off the British. The British were trying to make a major landing to disrupt sugar plantation production, and uh, they, they fought them off. Um, and it's a really an amazing story about Muslim American enslaved veterans, which is never talked about. You, you'd never find the story in a million years. Um, and I had to look, look hard to find it, and um, a part of American history we should never forget. Uh, one of the, the lighter ones, uh, less serious note, uh, there was a professional wrestler who was so gigantic, he was able to join the Army at 12 or 13, they thought he was a man. He ended up fighting in the Spanish American war. And the last war he fought him was world war two. <laughs> so, <No. laughs> yes. so, you know, he was, he was able to join so young that he was, you know, by the time he was in his fifties, you know, world war two had rolled around. They needed people. So he, he joined again and fought world war two, uh, not in, a, not in a heavy combat role, I'm sure, but, you know, he, he'd done enough deployments, you know, to, to serve five lifetimes. That's awesome. Uh, in what regions of the country were those? So the, the Muslim American slaves were in North Carolina, and the, uh, the wrestler was from the Midwest, uh, Kansas, nice. I believe. Yeah. All right. And since he mentioned North Carolina, I'll say the part of his book about axes and ales. The city beer tour in Raleigh, North Carolina sounds awesome. Founded by a paratrooper and a firefighter, they'll show you the best places to go in town on a fire truck. And Raleigh's also an easy drive from the great beaches of North Carolina. And since he mentioned the great state of Kansas, we'll talk later about why Fort Riley is a great place for vets, football, and fishing when CBS Eye on Veterans returns. Welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm Navy veteran Phil Briggs, and this hour we're talking travel. And since it's summertime, we'll pick back up with my interview with Navy veteran Michael Embrick, who wrote the book, March On, 
a veteran's travel guide. New Orleans, Louisiana. I absolutely have always wanted to go there. And you've got a couple really cool gems that I found in the New Orleans thing. But first, talk to me about some of the military history there. Yeah, sure. So, you know, New Orleans obviously was a part of the French uh, colonial dynasty. Um, And, you know, we we bought it through the Louisiana Purchase. Um, But a a lot of uh, French history stayed there, obviously, with, you know, Creole. Uh, And there's a lot of American military history there from the Civil War um, to the the War of Independence. Uh, New Orleans is a huge shipping port uh, during, you know, from revolutionary times on. Um, obviously, access to the Mississippi River was huge um, in supplying the, everything from the U.S. Navy with timber for their ships um, and, you know, beaver skins and stuff like that that you kind of needed to dress back then. Um, other than that, the city uh, has a really great military history, just supplying great veterans to the armed forces. Um, you walk through New Orleans today and you kind of have those blue collar neighborhoods um, and those VFWs and American Legion halls are still there. Um, you had you had vets who came back from World War II and opened up local pubs uh, that became staples in those communities where people got married. They had their christenings. They might have met their wife or, you know, their other their significant other there. Um, so I, I think New Orleans, if you don't think of you would think of New Orleans more of a party town, you know, uh, Mardi Gras, that kind of thing. But there's a lot of military history there. Great museums. Um, they have some Navy ships uh, as well. So. Certainly something you, you want to do outside of Mardi Gras or, or within Mardi Gras, if that's your thing. But yeah, great, beautiful part of America. Yeah. The one thing I'll note about, you know, having flipped through it, um, how do you pronounce it? Chalmette Battlefield? I'm from New, I'm in, from New Jersey. So if we, we might have to get a French person, but I think Chalmette might be the way to it. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll take it. Chalmette Battlefield. But uh, the site of the historic battle of uh, New Orleans where General Andrew Jackson, old Hickory. Uh, led a ragtag group of militiamen and freed slaves to defeat the British forces of 11,000. And they did it all from the banks of the Mississippi river. Um, That's a pretty cool thing to go look at. And then you'd mentioned it before how people came back and started businesses and whether it was, you know, world war II era vets that came back, uh, you cite a place called grits and it's a bar founded by a world war II veteran named Curvin grits, Jaldron. And uh, he's called Grits because he was the only Southerner in his division uh, when he was in World War II. Um, And then more modern places like Nola Brewing. And after Hurricane Katrina, you know, devastated that, um, there was a Nola resident there, Kurt Coco, and he was a Navy veteran and he wanted to kind of help rebuild. So he, you know, put together, uh, which became, I guess, after the rebuild there, uh, the single and the first craft brewer within the city of New Orleans. And just a ton of great collections of craft beers. Um, you can go up the street and go to another place called FNM Patio, another veteran-owned joint. Um, I, I just loved how you you know paid special detail to these. And I wanted to kind of go down that lane a little further. What are some other good beers we could try around the country? And give me something maybe, I don't know, you got any coastal beers or like beach-type locations that you had a veteran-owned beer? Yeah, so, there, so we have a place here in Fork River, New Jersey. Um, black flag brewing company uh they make some really really good beers um in new jersey in new jersey we call you know it fork river down the shore so they're kind of a shore down the shore brewing company um they make some great ipas um i've had some good ones uh, any everywhere from huntsville alabama uh you know to to san diego uh there's a there's a veteran co-veteran brewer here in new york city 
called Talia Brewing. Uh, they make a really, really nice hazy IPA. I've been really into hazy IPAs lately, less than I'd like to be because of the calories and carbs, but, but, but certainly a few beers that I'm, that I'm really feeling right now and kind of like my soundtrack of beers to the summer. Uh, those, those three, I would say. Nice. Um, share with me a little bit of your memories of Key West. I noticed that that's under the South as well. And um, not something I always think about with military history, but very cool nonetheless. Yeah. So, I mean, Key West is certainly was a significant uh, geographical area uh, during, during the wars, uh, the early independence wars, the War of 1812. Um, a key shipping city where a lot of sugar and other uh, fruits and stuff that came through from the, from the Caribbean uh, was first stopped to get taxed to go, you know, go to United States proper. Um, so the Coast Guard has a very strong presence there. They still do to this day. Um, a lot of great military spots that are there. The, the USS Maine uh, tragedy um, that the, the USS Maine hit a mine, which sparked the Spanish-American War. Um, all the victims of that uh, Navy tragedy are buried uh, in Key West. Um, there's also a, a, a a, a cemetery in Key West where a bunch of rescue slaves uh, ended up being being buried. Um, they 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 were shipping was of slaves was illegal during the 1860s, and the U.S. Navy uh, overtook a, a British ship uh, with slaves, um, and they brought them to the United States. And back then, you know, there were no there was no way really to get people back. Uh, there was a war raging, so all those all those people stayed in Key West, and they you know they lived lives there and. And died there and they're still a big part of that community and they're there and that's a huge uh thing that the u.s navy did in key west and part of the reason why the navy is still there today right on and always a shout out to our brothers in the coast guard too because while the navy yeah. gets all the credit for the bad warships uh you know the coasties man they run florida and they do it well um let's jump to let's stay on the beach side let's jump to the other coast and one of my favorite cities I've ever been to is San Diego, of course, Navy town. So, I mean, you know, we love our, we love our Navy towns, but uh, share with me just uh, some thoughts that you'll, some gems you find in the book from the California coast, from San Diego to LA. Well, firstly, I, I graduated at the top of my boot camp class and I had a, a choice to, to be stationed in San Diego and I passed it up and I've been regretting it ever since. So certainly a place I like to go back to and imagine that I did spend four years there. You went to Norfolk instead of San Diego? Yes, yes. I want to be closer to home. Oh my gosh! 18, 18 year old kid thing, you know. <laughs> I'm sorry for your loss. Okay. Well, I, okay. I made up for it because I wrote about San Diego, and I've been there a ton of times. So. Yeah, tell me all about it, man. It's a great, great town for some military history. Um, what can I find in the book? A little gem. All right. So yeah, this is a VFW uh, hole there, and they have a surf club. Uh, so a lot of vets, you know, maybe vets that have some, you know. Uh, issues getting out and meeting people. That's a place you can go and get out and meet people and do something really fun and learn to surf and they'll teach you how to surf. Um, then you can go back to the VFW hole and talk about everything you learned. Um, the number of the exact VFW escapes me, but it's San Diego's VFW, the surf club. It's the only place in the country that has one. Oh, that is awesome. And yeah, you got vets. I mean, California residents, you go to the beaches. I mean, you know, there's guys into their sixties and seventies and they're still paddling out because they grew up doing that. And you know, how cool would that be? Yeah. I mean, otherwise, San Diego obviously has a lot of great you know, military history. They, they do a great Fleet Week event there um, yeah. where the Navy comes in and takes over the town, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Um, some good veteran-owned businesses in San Diego. Obviously, a lot of people stay and, and make a life because it's so beautiful. Just an idyllic uh, 
it reminds me of Dingle Ireland, just like the cliffs and, you know, the, the weather's obviously a lot different, but kind of that place you can go and, and be alone and, and think and swim and, you know, all that good stuff. All right, let's go to the mountains next. Share with me some thoughts and reflections from Colorado Springs, Colorado. Colorado Springs was something I certainly wanted to put in, not, you know, not only because it was home of the Air Force Academy. Um, I put those three places in for special destinations for football games that that I've, I've been to and that I really loved. And, you know, Colorado Springs is a great town. The Air Force Academy is there. Um, there's a ton of stuff to do outdoors there. Um, you know, the, the Garden of God is just a huge hiking and and swimming and fishing and hunting and mountain climbing uh, area there in Colorado Springs. I mean, you could go there and, and experience every terrain that there is to experience in the United States. It's always very sunny there. It's just a really, really great place for veterans. It's a military town, but also this kind of outdoor wonderland where you can get lost. And it, it has great beers, right? You know, Coors. And, and there's, you know, there's some veterans there doing some great things with beer. Um, there's, there's a tour company that's owned by veterans where they, they take you to all the great breweries. Um, it's called Cold Springs Beer Company, I believe. Um, and I mean, it's just, it's a great stop. And if you're going to go there, go during Air Force Army time. Great game to see. You'll see all the flyovers. You'll see, you know, the, the Air Force cadets parachuting and doing, doing all types of other training around um, uh, and airmen doing all kinds of cool stuff. And we'll keep talking travel with Navy veteran Michael Embrick when CBS Eye on Veterans returns. All right. Um, you also have a cool story about a veterans group that fought the Nazis. And, you know, while I first didn't, you know, raise an eyebrow at that one, because I think, well, yeah, there's, you know, World War II veterans. I mean, they all fought Nazis. But you're saying there was a veterans group that actually went and fought as veterans, no longer in the military. Yes, exactly. So they, uh, they were part of the American Legion Paris Post 1, uh, which is a historic American Legion post, uh, the first one. Uh, formed by a bunch of World War I veterans who decided to stay in Paris after the war just due to the logistics of travel. And some of them had met, you know, French uh, spouses and counterparts. So they stayed um, in France after the war and they became Parisians. You know, basically, you know, every part of Paris life was part of their life. They kind of forgot their American lives. Uh, so they're kind of expats in that sense. But when the Nazis rolled into Paris, uh, the post commander, a guy named George Aubrey, uh, decided to take up arms with his his postmates, and they fought in the French resistance. They supplied intelligence to the Allies. Um, the Nazis were chasing them all over France because they were a huge problem. Um, uh, and these guys, you know, they they're this is one of the only stories that I could find of an actual veterans group, like a post, a VFW or American Legion post that actually fought uh, in a war um, as veterans and not as American. Soldiers and not as French soldiers. They, they fought as veterans, as a veterans group, and that was well accepted and expected of them. So I think that's a part of our collective history as veterans that we should never forget. Wow, that's amazing. So they were just expat veterans living in Paris, sitting around, um, you know, drinking coffee, having a baguette, uh, <laughs> drinking some wine at, you know, 11 in the morning or whatever they do. And, 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 and then it all breaks out and they're like, let's go get our gun on, boys. We're good at this. Yeah. And exactly. at that time, they would have been veterans of World War One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. 
you know who else comes to mind when you talk about veterans just sitting around uh you know the cafes and stuff when world war ii breaks out and 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 everything was Ernest hemingway was over there at that time as well and while he yeah. didn't pick up a gun and fight he was also a veteran um and i believe he served uh, as an ambulance driver or something with uh france or something during world war one but uh I uh, didn't have a long career in the military like the gentleman you are speaking of, but uh, that's wild to think that, you know, there were expats living over there that just had, you know, decided to jump up and jump in the fight. Yeah, and I had to give Hemingway his 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 due respect. But so I did mention him in the part about Paris. Uh, there's there's a story about Hemingway kind of busting into the the Ritz Plaza hotel bar after the war. And if and say to the bartender, you know, where the Nazis and the bartender said, you know, they left and then they just all started drinking and partying, you know. <laughs> Welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm Navy veteran Phil Briggs, and we're still talking summertime travel with Navy veteran Michael Embrick, who wrote the book March On, a Veterans Travel Guide. Chicago. Good times can be found in Chicago from baseball to the unique hot dog with the pickle down the side of it. I love all yeah. Chicago. Talk to me a little bit about uh, what you discovered there for veterans and um, Chicago from the veteran vantage point. Sure. So Chicago is such a great city. Only if there was no winter there, you know, that's, that's its only, only detriment to, uh, to being very happy there. Um, Veteran wise is a great VFW post um, with a very historic building right in the loop in downtown Chicago. It is the meeting hall where the veterans met called the great war meeting hall. Uh, It is an amazing architectural gem. Um, They do a lot of stuff out of that building. I believe there's a, a history museum in there too certainly something to see just murals of veterans of world war one uh some of the best artwork you'll see regarding two veterans groups and veterans uh in general um obviously there's great sporting events like you said the chicago dog is is a classic and it does live up to the hype um <laughs> but uh chicago's the hedge just such a wonderful city like you said if you want to go to a, a cubs game or a bears game or there's always something going on in chicago um you know there's a ton of military history as it, it was a industrial town that built everything uh, for the war effort during World War II. And then after the war, it had one of the, the largest booms um, and was one of the largest cities in America at one time. So certainly something you don't want to overlook, Chicago. Were there any good veteran beers in Chicago that you can think of off the top of your head? Uh, Great Lakes Brewing Company. Um, they were right outside Chicago, so they make a, a pretty good mean IPA. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Man, that summer I spent there, we went to like, it must have been half a dozen Cubs games. And my favorite part was the Cubs socks series when there's like fathers and sons, like with different hats. And at the end of the game, you don't even really know who won because everyone's just got their arm over their buddy's shoulder and they're kind of like staggering out of the stadium and, uh, you know, Wrigley Field. I mean, you're just going back in time when you're standing there looking at it. So, uh, I guess um, another important point is I don't know if you went to basic training uh, at Great Lakes. I did. So, Definitely yeah. spent some time as a young sailor in Chicago as well. So, and so weird for everybody listening to think that the Navy, many of the sailors, the lot of us get our start right there in Illinois. I mean, yeah. Libertyville or whatever the hell it was, just north of us, Chicago. But uh, yeah, we all start our sailing career in Chicago. Good stuff. Um, you know, you cover some real kind of sort of off the beaten path places I wouldn't think to put in a book about travel, but Kansas City. Um, and then there's this one that just kind of piqued my interest, Manhattan, Kansas. 
Now, when we get into the plain states, I've driven cross country several times and I can appreciate the beauty of the endless fields and the endless farming and just how great the middle part of America is from the small towns to the honky tonks to the good old boys and girls in the pickup trucks. I mean, it's everything a country music song's about. But what, what about Manhattan, Kansas, was it specifically that you found so fascinating? Sure. So obviously, you know, Fort Riley's right outside Manhattan. So it's the biggest army base in the country. Um, there's a lot of army history uh, at Fort Riley and, you know, in Kansas um, in general and in particularly in Manhattan. Um, K-State's also in Manhattan. So it's a really great college town, um, which a lot of people don't think of it as, but it really is. So it's kind of like where a great college town, great military town meet. Um, there's a ton of fun things to do there. Um, obviously, you can get out. Um, there, there's a great, there's great rivers and, and great lakes and, and, and stuff like that there. Um, the, uh, the veteran community there is tight knit. A lot of people go to get stationed at Fort, Fort Riley and then they end up staying. So they, they also have a hands-on military museum there. The army does. It's on base that civilians can go look at. So that's really cool. Um, they, the army, uh, I believe the army's flight simulation school is there and they'll let civilians go in and look at that, which is really cool something you won't get anywhere else in the country um so c- certainly if if you're for military veterans you might end up there uh you might think there's not a lot to do but there certainly is a lot to do in, in uh in manhattan kansas that's awesome and then like you'd mentioned the lakes and stuff geographically like you could go with the kids go to a museum let them check out some really killer army aircraft and then go fish on a lake in the afternoon or you yeah. know spend a little bit of time there near the base and then get outwards and then go find some awesome fishing guides. And there's camping and shooting sports. There's Milford Lake right next to Fort Riley. And there's Turtle Creek Lake just to the northeast. So many things to do to go get in touch with God's country out there. Uh, Texas would be really tough if we left them out of this. And uh, I, 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 I love Texas. I mean, you nailed some of my favorite cities right here. You got Houston and San Antonio in there. Um, pick one memory from Texas that I can find in this book. Sure. I, you know, I think San Antonio is a great town. I love San Antonio. Um, I'm a huge San Antonio Spurs fan. So um, certainly a destination for me to go see some good basketball um, when the dynasties existed with Tim Duncan. Uh, but um, it's a great town for veterans. I mean, obviously, you know, you have Fort Sam Houston right outside San Antonio. Um, so there's a ton of army stuff to do there. Um, and it has one of the only public VFW posts. Um, it's 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 right on the banks um, of the river, d- downtown the Riverwalk in San Antonio. Um, it's in a historic colonial mansion. Um, and some of my best memories in San Antonio, just kind of sitting out there with civilians, um, kind of soaking it all in, watching time go by, watching people go by, and also hanging out at a great historic BFW uh, bar at the same time. That's great. And it's open to the public too, which is kind of fascinating. Um, you've mentioned VFW posts a couple of different times in this. And I know I speak for all the veteran service organizations when I say that they're great, great to go for veterans, um, whether it's an AMVETS or whether it's an American Legion, VFW, the same. Um, do you find when you go to Texas, you run into more veterans per square foot? And it's just great because you can spark up conversations, whether you're at a patio bar or down by Riverwalk in San Antonio or whether you're getting some barbecue. Uh, do you find that the veteran really feels at home in Texas? Yeah, I mean, Texas is a great state. They do so much for veterans. Um, they have so many programs and, and, and job uh, fairs and stuff, stuff like that. Um, they have great colleges, great schools, great trade schools. So 
everywhere in Texas, you'll find veterans doing doing very good and, and prospering in life as they should after military service. And they're accepting a you with that slight hint of a New Jersey, New York accent. You didn't find that they <laughs> held a grudge or wanted you to wear a cowboy hat and slow your words down. No, they get sick of seeing people from Texas. So they they like when us Northerners come down and, you know, as long as we're not too obnoxious, they, they enjoy us. <laughs> and there's something about a Northeastern ball buster that is just uh, you know, kind of <laughs> universally accepted no matter where you go, especially if you've, uh, you know, having a beer on a patio somewhere. Yeah. Thank you, Sopranos. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they did you a service or a disservice, but yeah, you, you, you can't mistake a guy from New Jersey now when you hear that. That uh, slight accent in here. Uh, we've overlooked so many cities that are in here. Uh, North Carolina is really well represented. You got uh, Boston, a city I used to work in, which I got to say, if you want to travel and hit a beach yeah. and some history in a weekend, oh, my God, go yeah. to Boston and read the chapter on that in here. Uh, my state, Maryland, Baltimore made it. And thank you for uh, bringing up L. Balmer. Get yourself some crab cakes at Phillips and, uh, you know. Tons of good veteran-owned breweries down here as well. You mentioned them. Um, just so much from coast to coast, the Central Plains, and uh, beyond in Europe. The book is March On, a Veterans Travel Guide by Navy veteran Michael Embrick. Um, we could go all day. You got more of these coming out? Because I, I know you couldn't cover everything. You know, There's no Wyoming. There's no Montana in here. And, and, and there's all these great places to go. Uh, will you do a follow-up to this? Yeah, so we're actually working on that now, and uh, I have to talk to my wife about making some research trips to the West Coast. I'd certainly like to get out to Washington State, um, Oregon, um, cover more of the Midwest, like you said. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, obviously there's a huge military presence uh, in Asia that's not covered in the book. Um, so there's certainly a lot to see there. Hawaii is another huge one that, that I'm sorry that we had to miss, but we had to make some tough decisions, but we, we will get to the rest at some point. I feel so bad for your wife. Like, uh, honey, I, where should we go? Should we go to Seattle? Should we go to Spokane, Hawaii? I've got these research trips. Like, it's got to be a tip to talk her into these, huh? Yeah, yeah, certainly. Yeah. So she, she loves traveling as much as I do. So really not much resistance there. That's awesome. Well, I thank you for your work in public policy. I thank you for your work as a military researcher, but I am so glad that you got a travel in Jones and a gift at writing. Uh, the book is March on a veterans travel guide and uh, you can get it everywhere you get books. And do you have a website? Yeah. So it's a uh, that's travel guide.com. You know, we have some cool free content on there, you know, some short lists, you know, and obviously if any veteran, you know, wants a copy of the book, you know, just, you know, our emails there, email us and we'll get you a copy. All right. Hey, shipmate, I really appreciate it. It's a great read. Thanks, Phil. Thank you so much. And I appreciate your time and, and thanks for your interest. I'm glad you like it. All right. So that does it for this week's show. Thank you for listening. Now, we'd love to hear from you. So follow us on Twitter at IonVeterans or you can reach me at Phil Briggs Vet. I'm always down to get your hot takes and spicy memes, and I'd love to talk to you every week, so please like and subscribe. Hell, even give us a review of the show, because the comments and reviews really help us tailor the show to you. Again, I'm Phil Briggs, Navy veteran and reporter with ConnectingVets.com in Washington, D.C., and I look forward to talking to you again on another episode of CBS Audio's Eye on Veterans.
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.